Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to your latest Blood Red podcast with myself, Andy Kelly. And today uh, I am joined on the line, uh, taking time on his day off. It's our full time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pierce. Hi, James. Hi, Andy. Cheers for joining us, mate. And uh, also joined by uh, Christian Walsh. Are you okay, Christian? Yes, not too bad. Thank you. Uh, no, it's, um, it, you know. Perfectly planned that we have James and Christian with us. They were our two lads down at Wembley yesterday. Um, you all know what happened, and uh, um, you know we're here to sort of try and uh, sift through the ashes, uh, if you like, but also try and um, you know pick a path forward for the Reds from here. And what was uh, Piercy a very disappointing display? I think you described in your verdict as the worst defense, most shambolic defensive display since. Stoke 2015 and uh, words like insipid, spineless, humiliating and embarrassing were all in your report. Um, you obviously had the thesaurus out at Wembley yesterday, but you had the time. But uh, it was it was just it was just horrible to watch, wasn't it? It was. It was. I think you know what made it so tough to take is that I think probably like most of the three thousand in the away end down there, we actually went down to Wembley with. So a lot of expectation and excitement and, and you know, thinking that uh, after that, that midweek thrashing of Maribor, um, you know, Klopp's spoken recently about just, you know, that confidence and belief being an issue and, and that, that, you know, that on a night that everything clicked, you, I, I really fancy Liverpool to kick on and give a, give a good account of themselves, but you know, within 12 minutes, you know, the, the game was effectively gone. I mean, it was just unbelievable how poorly they started the game um, and yeah just yeah, when you defend like that you just you, you don't even give yourself a chance do you and you know, and then you know, the, the third goal just about summed it up for me because you, know, you, you get yourself back into it a lifeline that to be honest they've done nothing to deserve um, and then you, you're on the verge of getting into half time and you know, I was saying to Chris yesterday you know Klopp would be uh, you know thinking how, how lucky are we here to get in and only 2-1 down and then you give away such a horrendous third goal and the second half was a, a, effectively a non-event, really. Yeah, well, I mean, Christian... Um, we were in the office here and uh, uh, when Son hit the bar at 2-0... I was at that point, and that wasn't that long into the game. I was going, just get to half time at two nil. I'll take two nil at half time and get them in there and try and sort something out. Um, they actually got the bonus of um, before we start going through the goals, but the the bonus of of Salah's goal, which some people said was a scuffer, but I think that's exactly the type of finish that he needed, the position he was to sort of get it, you know, in away from the keeper. But they get that bonus, and then a good side sit then gets to half time doesn't he uh, you know aside with some you know nose and game management uh, and they just they didn't do it obviously you know a really poor header from from Matip which I think was influenced by his body position wasn't it in terms of where he was going to be able to put that header well he was influenced by the fact that he didn't get a shout as well from Mignolet I think if Matip drops his head it's going out for a goal kick there's absolutely no danger whatsoever you're completely right in terms of Liverpool yesterday, I think that was as, as poor in terms of in-game management that I've ever seen. You go one 0 down after four minutes, and then you go two 0 down after twelve. After your centre back decides to try and win a fifty-fifty ball on the halfway line, and then as you say, a two-one on the stroke of half time, you, you're twenty twenty seconds from the end of the first half. You've got the ball deep into Spurs' own half, in, in, into Spurs' half, and, and, and somehow contrived to concede the goal within that twenty seconds. 
it's unreal because a lot of people, when people talk about holding, you know, in-game management and killing the game and drawing the sting out of the game, they associate that with when teams are 1-0 up or 2-1 up or, or holding on to a lead or even if they're at 0-0 nil, nil and they're under the cosh a little bit. But it can work when, when a team's losing as well, I think. And, and with Liverpool, what, what, what they didn't do yesterday at 1-0 or the 2-1 was just say okay we don't have to try and win we don't have to try and get back into this game in the next 5 minutes there's nothing wrong with with having a steady 5 or 10 just settling figuring out what's going on in this football game and then you know getting to the next pass you know I, I believe a lot of time games are played in 15 minute queer course segments yeah, yeah segments segments so you've got 3 15 minutes in the first half you've got 3 15 minute thirds in the second and Liverpool just didn't manage any of them bar arguably that middle 15 in the first half. Um, I thought they had a little period after they scored, didn't they? Yeah, they, and they, looked, like, they, they looked like they were they were really threatening. But, you know, at 1-0, for example, it's 1-0 after five minutes. There's, there's no shame in, in, in saying, right, well, we'll try and get to 20 here at 1-0 and then we'll assess what's going on. But Liverpool didn't do that. At 2-1, with, with, with five minutes to go before half-time, you know, Liverpool were, were probably the better team at that point in terms of the, the ebb and flow of the game. But take the two-one. You know, just just get get back into half time, assess what's going on, let let the manager speak to you, and then go from there. And again, you know, after after the the second half, big fifteen minutes. Don't concede. Don't get to the half hour. Sorry, the hour mark with a three-one deficit, and then play from there. You know, all right, maybe try and get one on on the break as well. What you don't do is just let a soft goal like the fourth go in and, and pretty much end game the game as a contest, contest within 10 minutes of the second half starting. So, you know, Jordan's thing out of games is not just for when you're 1-0 up or 2-1 up. It's, it, 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 it's, it's for when, you, when, when you're losing as well. And I think Liverpool have got to sort of not, not, not even master that art. They've just got to learn that it, that it actually exists. But Percy, uh, well, we have to. Uh, it's it's almost like sadomasochism to have to go into the games, uh, the goals. Sorry again, but uh, and we won't spend a huge amount of time on this because people will have seen the analysis on the telly yesterday. They'll have seen match of the day too last night. They'll have seen the goals and well, but I mean, going through them, the first is 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 bizarre, really. I'm, I'm I still can't quite decide whether. Uh, Dejan Lovren lets the ball go or whether it's actually over his head and he's obviously assuming that Kane being behind him is offside and we saw from the line on, on the telly that obviously Joe Gomez is on the far side is is playing him on but I, I, I think for me the biggest culprit of absolute awe was Simon Mignolet for me and, and you know I've generally been a defender of Mignolet but I think Kane in, at the angle he's at we know he can score from various Places, you know, he, he's absolutely at the top of his game, isn't he? But for me, Simon Mignolet makes it so easy for him to by coming rushing out, and, and I don't think when Kane gets the ball where he is that he probably thinks that you know. I think he's looking for help at that point rather than being able to score himself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest, it was just an, an absolute catalogue of errors. I think first of all, from the throwing, just you know, far too easy the way that Trippier takes the throw. I think Son is able to knock it back to him. No, no pressure on the ball whatsoever. You know, the absolute lack of awareness more than anything else from Lovren. Um, you know, he just seemed like he was really flat-footed as well. You know, it didn't seem as if that ball went, went particularly far from him, but he didn't, 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 didn't get anything on it. And then, yeah, I think you're right about Mignolet. You know, he, he turned what was 
you know, probably a half a chance in, effectively into an absolute sitter by rushing out like he did. Because as soon as Kane had, had, had skipped past him, then he just had an empty net to, to roll it into. And it was, uh, yeah, that just that just set the tone, to be honest, for such a, a you know, a d- disastrous defensive display. I mean, you know, if that was bad, then, you know, what followed with the second goal was was even more pitiful because, you know, there is no danger when, you know, Hugo Lloris catches a, a cross from Milner and then, you know, a, a simple throw out towards halfway. And, and I've still got no idea what on earth Lovren is thinking. You know, he's got no need to charge towards that like he, like he does. Uh, you know, and, and as soon as it sailed over his head, Liverpool are left horribly exposed and, and have got a mountain to climb. I mean, I, my own view was that Lovren was so nervous by that point, over, and I think he went into the game absolutely worried about playing Harry Kane and sort of almost building himself up into a frenzy. And I think he was worried about letting Kane sort of, you know, get the ball on his chest there or whatever, and potentially. I'm not sure he had confidence in himself to be able to deal with that situation. So he thought, I've got to win the first ball. And obviously, Christian, a horrendous misjudgment in trying to... I mean, he's five or ten yards inside the Spurs half there. And uh, and then from there, you know, there's obviously a couple of people don't exactly cover themselves. I mean, Matip had a difficult job from there on trying to work out the angle Which in terms of where going. he wanted to go. And then... Poor James Milner, I, I think, was basically in a situation. He, obviously, he's put the ball in that, that Lloris has gathered. So he's, he's worked hard to get back. And he beat a lot of other people who were up there in terms of getting back. I mean, quite a few had gone in the box. But he just doesn't have the pace he's anymore not, to deal with Son, does he? He's not Justin Gatlin, is he? You, yeah. you, can't, you can't have a go with James Milner because he's ultimately... He can only go as fast as he can run. I think it says a lot as well that it was Milner who put the cross in and he was the... The one who was covering back, where, where, where was the rest of them? I know, I know it's, it's all this counter-pressing and people are in certain positions, but how's, how's Milner ended up being the one who sort of, in a way, unintentionally initiated the move? And then he's the one who's trying his best to track back. It was just, I mean, Lovren, Lovren's done that a couple of times um, in recent games, and, and he's got a big cheer from the crowd because it, it looks good, it looks authoritative, it looks like he's taking control of a situation. But it's high risk, high reward, isn't it? Um, and when it when it doesn't go right, like the at Wembley, it, it it just it just looks wrong. And you know, going back to me 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 earlier point, by all means, do that on sixty five. If it's two one, you think there's a chance for you know we'll we'll sort of get the ball back up the pitch as quickly as possible. Here, Harry Kane, as good as he is, he's on the halfway line. There, he's even you, you just you just give him a bit of space, let him chest it down. Does he not back himself to to deal with Harry Kane 50, 50 yards from his own goal? Surely, surely he backs himself because Lovren is a player who, despite how he plays, is someone who always strikes me as maybe being too confident in his own game. So if he starts to doubt himself, then that's that's a real issue for him because you know that's where this sort of thing does creep in, and he tries to maybe play percentages, thinks I'll just get my head on it, and when he doesn't. Disaster strikes. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument that he just doesn't go in, and I think he lets Kane have the ball ten yards inside his own half, yeah. and you know drops yeah. off and exactly. gets into a solid position because you've then got you know two centre halves at least. I mean, I suspect he was worried about you know a quick break and wanted to cut it off its source. But obviously, if you're going to, if you say if you're going to do it, you have to you know you have to know what what you're doing. I, I mean, look, you know, it, it it happened in a split second, so much so you know live. I was he, he caught the ball, at least, so I just started making a, a quick note. 
And I look up and there's a big massive, whoa, from, from Wembley. And before I know it, I'm thinking, how has this happened? So split-second decisions, it happens. I thought it was quite it was quite a Liverpool goal, really, the way they, they did it. In terms oh, definitely. Of, you know, oh, Tottenham out, Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. yesterday. Make, make no mistake about that. So, it's you know, when you slow it down, it looks absolutely terrible. But in real time, you know, you're going to make a split-second decision. Problem is, Liverpool as a defensive unit make those wrong split-second decisions far too often. Yeah, and James. They obviously then we went from there to a period where Spurs could have got third with Son hitting the bar. Uh, you know, the defender wasn't too clever on that either. But um, they then get this lifeline of, of of this Salah goal. You know, he, he obviously um, Pochettino spoke I think afterwards about you know putting Aurier over on that side, and uh, obviously that gave Salah you know a tough afternoon. But he still did. Did well, got himself on the score sheet, and you know, a, a decent ball. Arguments over whether there was a foul in the build-up, wasn't there? But a, a good ball from Henderson, and he tucks it away. Yeah, it was you know, a very rare highlight on a on a dismal afternoon. You know, I think it was Coutinho who, who picked Kane's pocket, and, and then Henderson with the through ball. And I think you know, Salah does get lucky with the finish. I think as we've seen many times this season that. That right foot of his is, is just a standard on most of the time, but he, you know he's taken a swing with it and it's uh, it's bobbled in off the off the far post. And I think I think the disappointing thing was that you know Liverpool was so lucky to only be two one down then, and you know, and obviously Klopp made made the big judgment call then that uh, that the change had to had to arrive. And you know Lovren obviously gets gets hooked off and. It was, you know, there was a brief spell there where you, you thought there was a glimmer of hope, but even then, I mean, it just obviously Lovren has been an absolute kind of lightning rod for criticism because of what happened in the opening 12 minutes. But even the way Liverpool performed for the last hour of that game after after Lovren was put out of his misery, you know, there was there was so much more wrong than that. I thought, you know, Matip wasn't much better um, than than Lovren. You know, as we said earlier on, you know, he was really, really poor for the for the third goal. And I, I thought even you know the midfield. I thought you know just it was a real you know they just got out out guns in, in every every department on Sunday afternoon. I thought thought Chan uh, you know arguably his worst performance of the season. Um, you know, it was one of those days from him that makes you makes you think. Well, would it actually be that much of a of a disaster if he did if he did leave at the end of the season? Um, you know, again, Henderson, who I thought did really well against United, um, you know, big big step backwards for for him, and obviously Milner, you know, couldn't couldn't build on the performance we've seen from him in the Champions League. So it was yeah, it was just a a, a wretched wretched afternoon. And although you know, Lovren. You know, obviously, a lot been a lot of focus on him. I don't think that should detract from the fact that you know I don't think anyone uh, of a, you know in that Liverpool side could could argue that uh, they really did themselves justice on the day. I mean, Christian, when I saw the Spurs lineup, I, I fancied Liverpool even more because they they weren't able to start the uh, any of their traditional holding players in terms of the, the type of players who can get into the areas that stops Liverpool playing normally so Dyer came on I think maybe just with 10 minutes left because he'd, he'd had a knock they've been missing Wanyama and they've been missing Dembele now those are you know three you can argue about the exact quality of them but the three decent players instead the, the Pochettino dropped Deli Ali back and uh, had Harry Winks alongside him and uh, obviously brought Son in further forward and um, 
you know, they seem to take it in their stride. I mean, Deli Ali was busy. Uh, I think he got a Meg, uh, a flick Meg in on on Emre Chan. He got a Meg in on James Milner, and just obviously showed the quality that we know he is, and it continues to hurt that he that you know we didn't go for him ourselves when we should have. But uh, James says it wasn't. I mean, Klopp put all the pretty much on the defence, but there wasn't. A, Huge amount in that midfield, either was there? There wasn't, um, and I don't think it helped the, the the change that happened after half an hour. I mean, at, at one point, about two minutes after Alex Rockley Chamberlain came on, I think Emery Chan trotted over to the sideline and basically said to the club, what, "What the hell am I doing? You know, where am I? Where am I playing? What's what's going on?" And it was at that point that he realised he was right back. I mean, it first looked to us as if he was matching Tottenham for a while. He's got three at the back, three at the back. You know, a five-three-two. I think it took Liverpool by surprise that the, the the sort of midfield um, Tottenham lined up with. I think what what Tottenham had there, what Liverpool didn't, were, were, were three players who were very much move the ball quickly and are comfortable on the ball. I think Henderson can do that at times, but he needs movements in front of him. He needs those moving targets. I don't think Milner and Chan are necessarily the quickest when it comes to recycling possession and, and, and keeping the ball quickly it, 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 it seems to slow down that wasn't the case with Milner midweek certainly um, and it doesn't isn't always the case with Chan but on a day where neither of them are really firing all it means is that there's sort of a lot of sideways passes between the three not a lot of penetration what that meant was while Liverpool were playing safe you had Eriksen you had Ali and you had Winks all of their passes seem to be moving sort of diagonally forward, if you see what I mean. They were just sort of cutting through that Liverpool three. There wasn't much shape to Liverpool's midfield. Um, I'm not sure if there's been a, a game where those three have played together before. I'm sure someone, but it doesn't feel like that's a, that's been a, a midfield three that's been played often um, for Liverpool, certainly in the Jurgen Klopp. And Obviously, he couldn't play Wijnaldum with the, with the knock he got. In yeah, he couldn't play. Oh, I, you know, there's, there's there's no doubt it would have been, it would have been very bold to um, to say drop Coutinho back and then put Oxley Chamberlain in, for example, from the start, which is how they eventually finished the game. But it just it, it wasn't firing on you know even up front. I thought you know Firmino worked hard, but he, he, he never looked like a threat. I thought Coutinho had one of his worst games for Liverpool in. In a long, long time, I think Salah was the only one who came out with any sort of credit. I think the, the the big problem with Liverpool is that Tottenham lined up there. It wasn't it wasn't a three man that that was a five man defence. They were deep, and the only time that they sort of pushed up was was in the the counter attack, <coughs> and that's where Liverpool got their goal from. But in general, they were deep. But teams can do that now against Liverpool. This is why Liverpool aren't scoring as many goals because teams know that they can just sit back. And eventually they will get chances against them. It's you don't even have to sort of be adventurous against Liverpool anymore. You can any team can sort of not park the bus, but they can be solid, they can be structured, they can play a five-man defence because eventually <coughs> there will be gaps and the teams will profit against it. Yeah, I mean James, is, I think the possession stats Liverpool actually came out comfortably on top on in the end because yeah. Spurs sort of declared after the fourth, didn't they, and let Liverpool yeah, have it, in, yeah. and they played a lot in front in front of the Spurs. Uh, Team. I mean that fourth goal. I, I think I watched the replay last night, and uh, I think it, there was eight Liverpool players in the box, uh, nine if you count the goalkeeper, and five Spurs attackers. And yet, you know, Mignolet obviously comes out 
challenges almost, I think it's Joe Gomez who's right in front of him, uh, who ducks uh, presumably after a shout. But obviously it's a really poor punch and then the second ball again and it's it, it's the preventable sort of nature of the goals which I think causes so much frustration because you wrote in your report yesterday, Spurs didn't really have to be very good to get forward, did they? No, no, no. and I think that that's what's most infuriating. You know, Spurs... You know they are a far absolutely you know top class team, and in, in Kane they've got one of the best strikers in in, in Europe with, without any shadow of a doubt. And you know, but they it's it's it, it, you know it's it's possible that Spurs could turn you over four one if they if they play out of their skin. But that was the most annoying thing to me the fact that they didn't even have to play very well. You know they they you know what they they just fed off the most basic of errors that and and and, and were just were just clinical and accepted the gifts that came their way and you know, the fourth goal was probably as bad as any of them you know again how many times have we seen it you know the a, a simple set piece swung into the box sparking panic weak punch from Mignolet um you know again you know, great block from Firmino from the initial shot from Vertonghen but you know Kane is Kane rather than anyone in a Liverpool shirt who, who reacts quickest and and that was game over and then, yeah the last half an hour I, I know Liverpool summoned a bit of a, a response but for me a lot of that was just down to the fact that, that Tottenham, you know, it, it was clear from Pochettino's substitutions, it was a case of you know, we, we don't take risks now we settle for what we've got, we don't give Liverpool a sniff and and you know, the, the game was over, there was you know, I, that, was, that was the other thing that disappointed me was the fact I didn't see any real fight out there, it almost looked like you know, Liverpool thought you know it, 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 the game was gone, and that it, it was effectively the last twenty twenty five minutes was was just playing out time, and the uh, that, that's what kind of gets me when you know you, you hear a lot of pundits saying that you know, it's it's impossible to play centre back in the, in a Klopp team, and how it's it's about his brand of attacking football, and you know you, you're going to leak goals here and there when your fullbacks push on so much, but. So many of those goals this season, and you know, probably the most alarming stat out of yesterday was the fact that you know, Liverpool haven't conceded this many goals at, after nine games of a league season since 1964. You know, and if you examine those goals, very, very few of those have come as a result of Liverpool getting outnumbered and getting caught out when when teams when teams counter. So many of them have been avoidable and down to the most you know alarming of basic errors and. You know the, the goals that, that Tottenham uh, held themselves to were, you know, that, that was that was why I made the kind of link with the, the, the thrashing and the Liverpool suffered at Stoke at the end of Rodgers' last full season because, you know, it, it felt like that. You know, they just, you know, falling to pieces. You know, in, in such an in, in, an embarrassing fashion. Yeah, Christian, you were in the club press conference afterwards, and uh, you detected a a sort of a change in in demeanour where. Exasperation had just got the best better of him in in the end, and from what I could tell from from terms of what you filed from that, that this was a man who just about had enough. Yeah, we saw a little bit of it, didn't we? Against I can't quite remember when he said he was sick. Newcastle was it? it? Might be a bit earlier than but that. Yeah. Um, he said he was sick of the defending. Um, after the League, League Cup game at Leicester, wasn't ah, it? yeah, it was. Yeah, so yeah, after the League Cup, and then he subsequently went and conceded two more at Leicester. But um, they, the 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 post post match Tottenham press conference, he was. I just never seen him like that before. He he he, he, he 
he, he was red in the okay. face. He was his first. He was softly spoken, but then he sort of, as he was reeling off each goal, and he was reeling them off with long pauses and sighs, and the language he was using. You know, it's our fault. You know, it, it's uh, this is on us. We are wrong. You are right. You know, all this. Was he being thing. sarcastic when he said, no. oh, "You've been, no. you, you were all right. Uh, we were wrong." No. Uh, so, so he wasn't suggesting like. Um, oh, go on, go away and write it again. No. You know you're gonna. He was actually accepting. This was him, this was him taking his medicine. This was him yeah, saying, yeah. "Yeah, it's right." Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you thought, Percy, but because we was we were in, sitting independently there, but I came out of that just feeling that number one, he'd given them an absolute rollicking of a lifetime, uh, and number two, you know, he'd almost had an epiphany both during the game, hence the love and substitution, and you know, maybe afterwards where he's thought this can't go on, something needs to change because this is really, really going to. I mean, it was, it was telling. He said that we can't even think about top four at the moment because we're ninth. Yeah. You know, so that in itself, I think he's maybe looked at the league table as well, and he's gone, "What's going on here?" You know, sixteen goals. It's a it's a record over over, over half a decade. And I don't know about you, James, but I just felt like that might have been. I said the day the penny dropped. There's been afternoons like that before where you think, "Oh, maybe this will this will sort of you know give him a nudge and say something's got to change here." But I think this was different. I think he, he, he visually and and sort of outwardly showed exactly how frustrated and annoyed he was. PSC? Yeah, I, I, I'd go along with that. I think I think probably sat sat at the back. I, I I got in there just as Klopp was coming in, having been down at the mix zone, and um, you know I I thought probably wounded would probably be the the best word of of, of summing up his kind of demeanour. Um, and very very downbeat. You know I think even. Usually, when we've when we've seen setbacks this season, um, you know he's been keen to to talk up the positives. Um, but you know, one of the, I think one of the most telling quotes is he said, you know, I, I can't sit here and and say anything positive about that today. And I, I just got the impression he he felt badly, badly let down because you know Klopp has, has has defended these players to the hilt, and you know he's been accused numerous times of showing too much trust in certain players. And, it, and that's, that's the biggest issue, the fact that that trust that he's put in players just isn't, isn't getting repaid with performances. And, you know, I was at Melwood on, on Friday for his pre-match press conference and, you know, obviously on the back of clean sheets against United and Maribor, both of whom had barely ventured out of their own half. You know, he, he said then, you know, I'll, you know, I think he was asked, you know, do, do you feel as if you're silencing the critics defensively? And he said, oh, do we know that will never happen because people just pounce on... On you know the, the the slightest little thing and make a big deal out of it and that's been his attitude this season you know the, 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 there's an obsession with Liverpool having defensive issues and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy and that it, it's kind of unfairly highlighted but you know that that just that performance yesterday just you know it's just embarrassing for a manager because we could just it just proves him wrong that's the problem it's like um, sorry and it pro- proves him wrong also. In, in terms of recruitment, because you know how many times have we heard Klopp defend the decision not to buy a centre back in the summer? You know why Liverpool didn't have a plan B when the Van Dijk uh, saga clearly wasn't going to result in a positive conclusion. Um, so it, 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 it was you know, that that was absolutely galling. I think for him to watch yesterday because you know everything everything he's been saying and every you know. Everything the critics have been saying, you know, that was <laughs> unfortunately, that was all of our fears realised at Wembley. 
It's like, it's like telling everybody that your, your, your child's not that naughty and then they go and burn the school to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, you, you've spent the whole season saying... Christians obviously met our, uh, our, our children. <laughs> and, but, it, you know, he spent the whole season saying they're not that bad, they're not that bad, they're yeah, not yeah. that bad. Oh, my God, they are that bad. Because <laughs> it's just... And don't get me wrong, I don't think individually, I don't think they're bad players. And, and even Dejan Lovren, I don't think he's a terrible player. I just think he's wildly inconsistent and in a system that I think relies on the consistency of all the players and, and you know, Cobb said before, his system, if one person's out of position, bang, it's gone. You know, that's the problem. You can't afford to have a player like that, a passenger like that in the side. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should mention for the, for, for the record, I suppose, that, you know, Lloris made one particularly good save from Coutinho, uh, a very good save, and a couple of saves that he should make, but which were one from Milner, one from Salah, I think, mm. and maybe Oxley had had a re- half a chance as well. Who I thought Oxley did okay when he came on. I thought he was a bright um, I thought Moreno was pr- in a defence that was terrible, was probably all right ish, um, but it's difficult to say. Um, but apart from that, I mean, we've got to look at, we've got to try and. Pick the bones out of it and look forward, haven't we? You know, you, you, Klopp no doubt had his say in the dressing room. No doubt will have had his say at Melwood today for a warm down training or whatever. Um, but we've got games coming up that are very winnable, but that we need to regroup and be in a position where you, you know. So we've got Huddersfield coming on mm-hmm. Saturday, is it? I think. Yeah. Um, and you know, they'll be coming in bouncing from the best, one of the best results in their recent history, um, beating United, which will have put a smile on every, you know a lot of Liverpool fans' faces on Saturday. I know it did me. And um, but so they'll be coming, and feels a little bit like we're going to go into an Anfield on Saturday where. Instead of Anfield, and this isn't to prejudge the issue, but I can feel Anfield being a pressured place for Liverpool players on Saturday, and Huddersfield coming in there with without without a trouble in the world, and thinking all oh, all the pressure's on them. If we hold this steady for a half or an hour, the crowd's going to get on them, and and we've got a we we've got a big chance to you know try and pinch something. So in terms of how we regroup. Let's talk individuals and let's talk particularly the defence for a start. Um, Piercy, do you think now, I mean, I know you were on social media last night and, you know, and I was talking to Christian about it earlier. There is this, we can't just dispense with Dejan Lovren in the sense that Liverpool are going to need him at at least until January and potentially beyond that. Um, Because we saw that from his choices yesterday that clearly Clavan isn't regarded as much of an option by Klopp these days um, so in terms of Saturday do you think obviously Lovren got the hook yesterday do we think that Klopp needs to needs to look at setting him down and taking him out of the firing line for a bit I, I, think, I think a lot will depend on what kind of reaction Klopp gets from Lovren this week in training. Um, you know, I, I think you know that that would, that would have been humiliating for him. On, you know, for, you know, he's not he's not a young he's not a young kid. You know, he's an established international, a twenty million pound defender on hundred thousand pound a week. You know, and to, to get hooked after half an hour 
and you know in in that kind of fashion it's going to hurt him and you know the question is does he take his medicine and then come out firing this week and you know i'm sure he'll be having talks with klopp um about that and so i think i think a lot will hinge on, on that i mean the, the, the problem he's got is he doesn't really have many options does he i mean i suppose so I, I thought Joe Gomez did all right at, at centre back yesterday, but you know, as you said, the fact that he ignored Clavan, you know, made it clear that he, you know, he, he clearly doesn't really fancy him, um, and, and that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's the, the ridiculous situation that Liverpool find themselves in is they've got actually less centre back cover than they did last season when they didn't even have European football because at least then they had Lucas Leiva to turn to, and you know, ironically, probably this weekend might have been one of those days where where you where you turn to a Lucas who hadn't been in favour recently. Um, so, I mean, that's, I, you know, yeah, I got absolute dog's abuse on social media for, for saying that Lovren's, the, the idea that Lovren's career, Liverpool career is over is it, just ridiculous because it, you only have to look at Klopp's lack of options. And also, what was it? I think in December alone, Liverpool have got eight games. Um, so, so he's going to be needed. Klopp's going to have to pick his chin off the floor and, and try and get the best out of him. And I think. You know, I think you know, long term wise, then okay, you know, maybe maybe you could see a situation where there's a parting of the ways. But it, you know, but it's it's not that's not going to come till next summer at the absolute earliest. And it doesn't help so, that, that 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 Joel Matip isn't exactly shining alongside him. And I mean, I think we did write a piece last week or in the last couple of weeks certainly yeah, that did, yeah. yeah, basically that he's got away with it a little bit, Matip, in terms of. Um, you know, some people say, "Oh, it's it's playing alongside Lovren's having bad effect on him." But there were there were issues for himself yesterday, where you know he, you know he clearly was at fault for goal three, wasn't he? And uh, and you know even the breakaway second, you know, could he have a, had a slightly better position? And for all that it was, you know, Lovren was was the the, the chief culprit. So it it's not just as simple as saying, "Is it to just sit down Lovren and bring in Joe Gomez?" Because we're not. We're not quite sure what sort of a partnership that would be. No, exactly, and I think, and again, this kind of harks back to last summer and the failures in the window. But you know, I've, I've always got the impression of Matip because I think, I think you, you know, if you meet him off the pitch as well, like he, he's a very quiet, quiet guy, and you know, I just think he would be so much better with a, a dominant personality and a. And a kind of leader next to him. I remember he he gave an interview not long after he started at Liverpool, and you know, I think he, he was asked then, you know, you know, can you be the the leader, uh, you know, of the back line and all the rest of it? And he said, well, you know, uh, you know, may, maybe one day, yeah, maybe may, you know, kind of thing. And wasn't particularly convincing. I don't think we've seen anything since to to to, to change change our minds on that. And yeah, I think you know, he, he has he has been poor this season. Um, but, and you know, and I think probably at times Lovren is unfairly kind of made the fool guy. Um, but you know, one thing I did like was the fact that at least Matip did front up uh, yesterday after the game and, and and pretty much held his hands up because you know he he wasn't much better than Lovren. Um, but again, you know, Klopp he can't he can't dispense with with both of them. You know, he he's got to work with them at Melwood and and improve them. Christian, is there or not? I mean, I will, I will say this for Lovren, that he didn't disappear down the Wembley Tunnel and sort of try and pretend he was injured or anything. He went and sat on the in among the on the Liverpool bench, which must have been hard. Uh, you know, I don't want to defend his performance; it was blatantly poor. I think he'll be fully aware of that. 
Um, is there an argument that Klopp says to every single member of that team, you let you know every Liverpool fan around the world badly down yesterday in front of the record Premier League attendance? Um, this weekend, you're all going to get the chance to make up for it and say same again. Say, you know, I'm not. You know, when Alden's fitness could be an issue, you know, could he come back in? You know, there's the argument you put Lovren set him down, bring Gomez to centre half and Trent obviously would come in at right back. But somewhere in my mind I'm th- and people might see it as utter madness to say same again. But I've you've seen it happen with poor performances before where a manager's just said, Well you you've created this mess. You can't do anything about that now. But what you can do about it is go out and get three points against Huddersfield. There you are, same again, go and prove to everyone that you're not the terrible players that some people are saying you are. I mean, is that too much of a gamble for you? Having having been in the room with him when he was talking yesterday, I, I feel I'd, I'd be amazed if he sort of picked the same eleven. Yeah, but maybe that's you know maybe I'm just sort of being steered by what you read on social media because a lot of people you know a lot of fans are sort of saying surely he can pick it because when I when I was tweeting out you know my article and you know I haven't seen Klopp like this before. He's talking about making changes because he, he did sort of intimate and sort of say nobody's place is safe, you know, not in those words. I'm paraphrasing them there, but you know, everyone's everyone's place is up for grabs. Everyone sort of, you know, tweeted back and and, and said uh, very cynically, same team them, you know, same yeah. team for Huddersfield. Um, and that's because of the lack of options. Well, I was, I was just, just going to say if, if, if you've got if you've got Klein, if you've got Wijnaldum, if you've got Lolana. Um, who else is missing? If you've got Mane, of course, it's a lot. It looks a lot different. Um, I don't think it helps that Moreno and Robertson play in the same position. That's not that's not a big help, really, is it? Because Moreno is probably the most informed member of the of the um, of the back four at the moment, and, and Robertson's probably the player that everybody wants to see come into the side. Yeah. But where does he t- where does he go? So that 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 is an issue, um, unless you just throw. Absolute health eleven and put Robinson as a, as a left sided centre back, which I don't think. No, no, Scotland tried it. I mean, I'm off to see the 23s later tonight against Manchester United. So people will go. That's effectively the reserves. You know, is there anything there? Um, no. You know, the, the answer at this stage, <laughs> no. this stage is no, because no. I mean, you've got Lloyd Jones, uh, who'll probably start tonight against Manchester United. You know, he's played his first team football at you know a considerably lower level. Um, you know, in the lower divisions, and can do a job, but you would say, you know, a long way away from a Liverpool first team, and potentially Corey Whelan or Conor Masterson would would play alongside him, and both those are are young players, but they they just wouldn't, you know, they're they're a mile away from being, uh, you know, into a Liverpool first team. So so the answer is there's there's you know from the reserves through twenty threes there's. There's not a lot of centre back in terms of, of coming on. We watched them five hundred million times, he said, about centre backs. The other centre and, 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 and here we are, we're in October and you we're discussing as a as a genuine possibility what is there in the under twenty threes in terms of centre back options. I mean, even if there was a centre back option coming through, that's an that's an absolute it's a travesty, it's 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 a, it's a disgrace really. That yeah. that that is something that has to be contemplated because it's never easy bringing up a young player at the best of times. Certainly not a centre back. Very very rarely do you do you see a, a top side bringing a, a centre back up from the under twenty threes into the first team because it's such a high pressured position. So 
I mean, it, it, it feels like it's it's deja vu or deja vu, but it, it just <laughs> it, it's it's going back to the same thing over and over. It's 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 it, 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 it comes down to the summer, doesn't it? Because how are Liverpool in a position, having finished fourth in the Premier League, having qualified for the Champions League, that there is a there is a serious conversation here that. Is there anyone in the under-23s who can do a job? That's, it's, it's absolutely bananas. I mean, the, one of the interesting things, of course, on the opposition yesterday, um, he didn't have a game that particularly stood out for me, but you had uh, Davinson Sanchez, who lots of Liverpool fans yeah. mentioned as a possible option. I know that that was a name put to him, to Klopp, when he was given that f- sort of infamous quote now, James, about watching people 500 million times and he was basically shook his head didn't he and you know there are other players out there Koulibaly top uh, of Syria yeah absolutely that however Liverpool want to that, is this I mean does this say to us and I've, I've mentioned before that the fact that he hasn't is that he still does it say to us that the fact that he's putting himself through this situation is a sign that he ultimately thinks he will get Southampton to do business on Van Dijk I mean, yeah, you'd have thought that could be the only logical conclusion, the, the, the fact that he he made the judgment call that, all right, we, we've, I can get through till to January or, or maybe even next summer in the same way as, you know, effectively he made that call in terms of the midfield area where he, you know, he couldn't get Kaita last summer, so he's waited 12 months for him. Um, but, you know, and, and, anyway, again... You know, it's not the benefit of hindsight, is it? I think you know, how many times do we talk about it in the summer that, that you know I think you know when the Kaiser deal you know looked like it was pretty much dead and buried. I remember us saying then on the pod that you know do you know what you know Liverpool can probably cope without him. This this you know much more importantly is the centre back area. Yeah. I think you asked any Liverpool fan back in May what is the area that's, that's the absolute priority in this window. It was it was centre half. It was. It was just so so obvious. So it's you know that that's what makes it just so incredibly frustrating. The fact that you know the, the last couple couple of months have just have just proved all those fears true. And you know and I've had a number of people you know say to me, oh you know why are you only question it now? You should have been questioning it in the summer. Well, you know Klopp was asked time and time again to the point where he was you know <laughs> incredibly annoyed that it was it was the topic of conversation again. I remember being in in Dublin for, I think it was the last friendly of the summer, that was when he came out with the quotes then about, um, you know, okay, name, you know, name me five centre-backs that, could, that, are, that are better than what we've already got. Because, um, you know, I, I asked him then, you know, did you not concerned about the lack of centre-back cover? You know, I said, you know, forget forget quality for a moment, just, just the numbers just didn't stack up. Um, you know, and, and and unfortunately, that has that's been that's been realised. And then, you know, the, the, the talk you referred to, I think, I think that was at the the right at the back end of the window. Um, um, I think it might even might even have been just after the window had shut when he was, you know, he, he said, okay, then well, you tell me who should we have been looking at? And that was when you know Sanchez and uh, and Kula Bali were the two of the names fired at him. And he, you know, that was when he came out with the quote about, you know, we, we watched all of these players five hundred million times. And there wasn't a deal that, that that was that was out there to be done that was that was better than what we what we already have and, and yeah I mean that's I, I think the problem is you know, I think most fans found that incredibly difficult to to, take, to accept and and believe at the time and now now obviously a couple of months on that statement just looks plain ludicrous really do do we I sort of 
a few people getting stuck into Michael Edwards on on social media last night, and um, essentially he, he's he's in charge of recruitment. He didn't deliver a, a centre back that that was clearly needed. Um, this one I I find quite difficult to quantify in terms of where the where the blame might lie in the sense that you always felt that in the Rogers era perhaps you know he was waiting on the transfer committee as it was referred to to sort of you know deliver him the players he wanted from whatever his list was with Michael Edwards it's there's been a pretty clear vibe that he's there doing a lot of the sort of dotting of eyes crossing the t's and background work and, and you know Klopp praised the the recruitment team over Salah on on Friday in his press conference, but it, it seemed clear that they're they're basically operating to a clock blueprint and trying to get him his, his number one picks. But you just you just wonder whether the recruit you know did the recruitment team go along with Klopp's wishes in terms of not getting anyone else, or could they did they basically when Klopp suggested any alternatives did. Did they just feel no? They're not right. They're not right, and the, the, those little bits, James, are, are difficult to know yeah. what's gone on in the background, aren't they? And people saying, "Oh, Michael Edwards' fault." He may well be, and you know, prima facie, you could say, "Well, he's had a recruitment. We haven't properly recruited." Then he has to be take some of the blame, but he may also be operating to a, a Jurgen Klopp. I don't want those alternatives you've suggested. I only want this guy. Yeah, and. and- you know, I can only I can only go by you know what what I, you know what Klopp has, has said and what when, when he's been quizzed on that exact subject and you know he he said that it was his call not to pursue a plan B. Um, you know, I think, but where 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 I think you, you, you know it's it's unclear is you know what you know what what were the other options put in front of him that we don't you know we don't really know the answer to that and. And I think you know by not signing another centre back, you know you do have to question what you know what other options were put to him. Why why couldn't Liverpool find another deal that could be done that that would have made sense? Because I think you know I know Liverpool have to be more careful in the transfer market with their money than than City or United or Chelsea. They they can't afford uh, you know to just take a random punt and. And, and waste money. You know, we, you know, I don't. You know, we saw that. We've seen that too often in the modern era, where Liverpool have, 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 have spent money on someone who didn't really fit what the manager wanted, and ended up, you know, being being moved on a, a year or two later. But I think you know, what where Liverpool, where fans just struggle to get their head around it, is is the fact that you know forget forget whatever you think a lot of Lovren and Matip. You know, the the, the backup is is Joe Gomez. You know, a 20-year-old kid who's played most of his football at fullback and has been injured for most of the last two years, and is going to have a fantastic career ahead of him, but is still relatively unproven. And Clavan, who you know isn't going to get any better. You know, he, there's a there's a reason why he spent a big chunk of his career playing for Augsburg. So, I, I, I even even if Klopp decided, do you know what? I'll sit tight and wait for Van Dyke. I just think the argument to bring in another centre back in was so strong that you know, and it didn't have to be you know a fifty, forty, fifty, sixty million pound signing. I, you know, are you telling me that there wasn't you know a, a, another option around Europe? I think 
I think the, the, the fact that that didn't happen, it has to, you know, it, it goes beyond Klopp. I think you have to ask questions about the scouting network and, and the recruitment full stop. Christian, the, the, the obvious contrast was to look at Spurs who, you know, having their, you know, they've got Alderweire uh, Elder, which I can't properly pronounce, but uh, you know who I mean, they, you've got Vertonghen and then they spent big, relatively big for Spurs on Sanchez and, you know, they could have argued, Spurs fans could have argued, well, we've, we've got, you know, two rock solid centre halves obviously he wants, wanted to play three at the back anyway and uh, um, he probably had more options than Klopp but he went and spent big on a centre half anyway and is, it, is that one of Klopp's problems where he doesn't seem to want to spend his money and uh, Mourinho would be another difference where Mourinho is quite happy to spend big on centre backs obviously Lindelof isn't exactly looking like a great purchase at the moment but others others have done better Bailly for instance so and Klopp hasn't really wanted to seemingly spend a lot of money at, at the back I think it's it's twofold I think it's number one he doesn't necessarily I think James has just been taken over by Doctor Who there <laughs> um, I think it's the the fact that number one he doesn't want to spend big on uh, defenders if you think about the, the price of that back four obviously Matip was a three that's a little bit misleading because I think he was like a 20 million 25 million pound player when if he was under contract of course he was prepared to spend 70, he, 75 on Van Dijk he and was, will again yeah, if, he, yeah. if he has to I suppose. this is my second point yeah. apart from Oxlade-Chamberlain and I think that was I'm not saying it was a panic buy I just think it was an opportunistic buy I think that unlike say what Pochettino did there and what Mourinho did I think that Klopp is very reticent to spend big on backup. Yeah, I think he's very reticent to, to spend big on somebody who's not going to be you're not going to extract the maximum value out of yeah. so he would not have he would not for example have signed a striker for 35 million because he's not displaced from Roberto Firmino he yeah. would not have signed um, a number uh, number six uh, money on a number six um, because he's not going to displace Jordan Henderson he, and, and that's maybe why he didn't spend big money on Andy Robertson because he had visions of Alberto Moreno somehow becoming Liverpool's first choice left back yet again and obviously James Milner was there for a while yeah. This is where he's wrong isn't he because I mean I, Yeah, you need Yeah, Jonesy sort of, I think quoted in the uh, Poetry Emotion podcast uh, um, last week um, something that we'd all spoken about before before the end of the window, and that was that you know Liverpool have to get used to having expensive uh, players who are earning a huge amount of money sat on the bench yep. doing nothing. Yep. And Liverpool fans have to get used to that, and as a club we have to because that's the only way you have people available at high levels come in when required. Say what you want about Oxley Chamberlain, I know we divide opinion. I'm obviously an, an advocate of him, and I know a lot of people are not, and I think that the, the, the fee was inflated. But wasn't it nice to have? Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain coming off the bench at 2-1 against Tottenham and I know it obviously didn't necessarily pay dividends and I know he hasn't been given much of an opportunity in general but that was the first time he's really been given an opportunity to change a game as a substitute and it's a far better option than say a Lazar Markovic or a, you know even, even necessarily like a Ben Woodburn who's going to be a fantastic player but he's still only you know 17, well he's 18 now he's just turned 18 and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain you've got, you've got a lad who's got 5 years of Premier League experience and he's a full England international so Liverpool need more of those sorts of players alright people might say oh, Oxley chamberlain is average or, or whatnot. he's below average people think he's a really poor player but he's still a 
he's still a very useful squad player and I think he'd get in the squad of pretty much any any of the top six sides Arsenal obviously included Chelsea wanted them and I think Liverpool need more of those sort of players so I mean this is all obviously a moot point because Liverpool don't need backup players necessarily for they need first team players when it comes to centre back but you know, if if you can't find anyone who you don't think is on par with with Dejan Lovren and Joel Matip, I don't know how that's possible, but you don't think you can find one. There's gotta be a ten, fifty million pound player who's best in Ragnar Clavan. Yeah, yeah. Um well look, I mean we've chewed over the issues quite a lot there. We'll we'll be back with another blood red later in the week when we start to looking even more closer towards the Huddersfield game. Uh, I mean, should, I'd like if we could to end on a little positive, James. Um, great to see, um, you know, a young Liverpool striker doing the business over in the Under Seventeens World Cup. Uh, nice hat trick for Rian Brewster in the in the quarter final. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, the one one bit of good news over the weekend, really, for the for the Reds. Um, yeah, he's a he's a really really exciting talent, isn't he? I think. He, He's, he's been on the bench already for the first team. I think he's a name that the last couple of years around the academy, you speak to staff there, and there's been a you know a real buzz around him in a, in a similar way to you know in, in the couple of years before that, the, the staff would speak about Ben Woodburn and um, yeah, great great to see Brewster uh, kick it on like he like he has, and you know, hopefully he can, he can go all the way with England, and you know I think you know, that would be a you know, another great thing for his development, and then and then come back and and hopefully we'll we'll see, we'll see, we'll see him kick on. It's just a shame actually that Liverpool are already out of the of the League Cup because you know he he was one that, that, that maybe would have would have made his senior debut um, this season. You know, potentially I suppose the, the third round of the FA Cup he might even have his his sights set on. Although you know suddenly the FA Cup might take on much greater importance for Liverpool depending on what happens in the next couple of months, but. Uh, but yeah, fantastic for him to you know to get the uh, to, to be leading the charge for England, and um, yeah, he's 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 definitely one we're going to be hearing a, an awful lot more about in the future. Well, we look forward to that uh, World Cup semi-final for Brewster, and hope, as Jim says, hopefully he can go all the way. Should mention, well done to the team. Saw them win five-two on Saturday morning, uh, having been one-nil and two-one down, and a couple of good performances. Really liked the performance from Elijah Dixon Bonner, uh, who uh, held uh, midfield together for them. Uh, the best I've seen him play, and uh, and you know, there's some good good players coming through at the moment. People want to see uh, solutions at the first team level, and we'll see how Jurgen Klopp looks to do that as the week progresses. But say any sense of accident at any level? Well, funnily enough, we'll we'll come back to that another time. But uh, uh, James, thanks for joining us on your day off. Really appreciate it, mate. See you in the office tomorrow, uh, Christian. Thanks, uh, thanks for your input, and to everybody, thanks for listening. Sorry, it hasn't been a more upbeat, but uh, we know those are the issues you wanted us to talk through, uh, and we'll join you all again later in the week. Thanks for listening.